Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here. I'm the host of the Common Sense Show. As you know, I'm glad that you could tune in. We have a really interesting interview in our guest segment today. And I've had uh, Brian Tui on before. Boy, what a great, great interview he is. And in the aftermath of the Super Bowl, we're going to look at sports and say, how do you know what you're seeing is really real? Well, anyway, we're brought to you by... A few people that help us keep the lights on here. One is Noble Gold. It, I got to tell you, don't do what my mom did on her side of the family. When she was a little girl, they lost all the money in the bank and they had lots of money. And she went from riches to rags and was raised in a life of poverty when it should have been riches. Don't trust your banks. Trust me, the banks are not your friend. You're the last person to get reimbursed if there is reimbursement, if they have trouble. And the banks are failing their stress tests today. So what do you need to do? Diversify gold and silver. Convert your IRAs to gold-backed IRAs. Buy gold, buy silver, because if the worst happens, you got something that's held its value for 6,000 years. How do you get involved? How do you talk to these people? How do you make them help you? Well, they'd love to help you, and their number is 877-646-5347. 877-646-5347. We're also brought to you by MPS. My Patriot Supply, best storable food company going. It's fantastic. And why do you need storable food? Well, <laughs> DHS and FEMA are saying you need six months. And if we have to self-quarantine because of certain illnesses that could be coming here and circulating, or if you're caught in a natural disaster, you want to have food and water. And if you wait to get them until it's too late. <laughs> exactly. So what do you do? Well, you go to preparewithdave.com. Look at what they have there. 40% off sale right now on the two-week and four-week kits. Remember, uh, FEMA and DHS, President Trump have all said you need six months of storable food, water, so we can help you with the food and the water. Preparewithdave.com is the place to go for the food and for water filtration to help you drink water that's out in the wild that may not be drinkable, but you want to make it drinkable. Well, the Aquapure Pro Filter is goes hand-in-hand, hand, food and water. Preparewithdave.com for the food, waterwithdave.com for the water. And don't wait until it's too late. Trust me. Do what the government tells you in this instance. That's the smart play. And by the way, waterwithdave.com also is offering a 40% off sale this month only. Well, Brian, I'm really glad you could join us. Um, this is something that I've looked at in sports, and I've been abhorred since I first talked to you. The problem is I find what you say credible, but I was raised an athlete. I was a high school and college basketball coach. I coached high school football. I was an NBA scout for a while, and I never touched corruption. Not that I'm aware of, not as a player, not as a coach. I never saw it, but I will tell you this. Uh, the NBA ref and his name jumped out of my head that was busted for point shaving, point fixing. What he said after he was arrested got my attention because I started to see examples of it. So let's get into this here. Is sports exactly as we see it, and is it on the up and up? <laughs> no. <laughs> the short answer is no. <laughs> the oh, long my. answer will be the rest of this interview. Um, you know, it's funny. It's, it's one of those things, like you were kind of saying, is if you're a sports fan, you almost need to, you know, take your fan hat off to recognize what really goes on in the sports world because – there are hints and there are clues and there are things that you can see straight out that leads to this conclusion that these leagues, the sport leagues, are corrupt and that they really lack integrity if you want to look for it. 
And it's not hard to find if you really open your eyes and take a look around. And that's what I try to do. A lot of people say I ruin sports for them. But I think I'm just really kind of waking fans up and saying, hey, what are you spending all this time, money, and effort and energy on? Are you really, you know, applying this to something that is pure or are you applying this to something that really is just straight up entertainment and manipulated as such to get the most bang for the buck for the owners and the players and the leagues as opposed to helping the fans, you know, to a real sporting event? Yeah, yeah. and it seems so many times that the sporting line out there is one that um, they play to the emotions of the fan. Let me give you an example. I forget the Cleveland Cavaliers owner's name. Dan Gilbert, I think it is. Um, he has uh, he had a child who is uh, um, uh, physically challenged, has some real physical handicaps, and they had him out there one year that was doing the uh, lottery selection in the NBA lottery draft that's done supposedly by random uh, selection, random chance, and uh, against all odds, the Cavaliers landed the number one pick. I see that kind of stuff now, and I look back on it, and I'm saying, is that the kind of thing that gets rigged as well, and not just the games? Well, I think you have, fans have to remember that, you know, it's the owner's league. They own it. They can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they very well may say, well, everything's on the up and up, and we, you know, pride ourselves in our integrity and that sort of thing, but it's their league. And... The problem is, and what many fans don't understand, is if a league like the NBA, for example, wanted to rig the NBA lottery, if they wanted to rig one of their own games, if they just wanted to manipulate things to keep it close until the fourth quarter so fans watch until the very end, they can do all of these things and do them perfectly legally. There's no law that prevents a league like the NFL from fixing the Super Bowl. If they wanted to fix the Super Bowl and they demanded the Chiefs won, they could do it and do it legally because no law prevents them from doing it. The only thing that supposedly protects us as fans from having that occur is this so-called idea of integrity. And again, if you look around, I can give you you know, tens, twenties, hundreds of examples of where they lack integrity. Okay, give me a couple of examples. Well, let's just go what just recently happened with Major League Baseball and the sign-stealing scandal that supposedly the Houston Astros were in, you know, implementing where the players were banging on trash cans when I think a breaking ball was coming because they were stealing stealing the signs with the help of video cameras and television monitors. And it led them, when they were doing this, was in 2017, which is the year they happened to win the World Series. So lo and behold, there are thousands of examples of this strange banging sound occurring inside where the Astros play because they were signaling their players of what pitch was coming. And lo and behold, they were winning games more often than they should have normally at home during that stretch run, and they won the World Series because of it. I mean, Major League Baseball, you could talk about performance-enhancing drugs. You can talk about how Alex Rodriguez, who's now an analyst for some strange reason for Major League Baseball on ESPN, was you know suspended for an entire year because he was getting performance-enhancing drugs from a doctor in Miami, and there was other players connected to that biogenesis scandal as well. And yet A-Rod set all these records, and he's probably going to get in the Hall of Fame despite the fact that he cheated for his entire career and lied about it, and everybody just let him get away with it. And there's other players, you know, in Major League Baseball, obviously Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Roger Clemens and other players who use performance-enhancing drugs who've been kept out of the Hall of Fame, but that still didn't, you know, doesn't mean that all those games in which those players played were affected and the outcomes were changed because they were using performance-enhancing drugs against players who probably weren't using performance-enhancing drugs. 
So you can just go through baseball for the past, you know, 25, 30 years and say there's been numerous games that have been affected by, you know, outside influences that really makes you question the integrity of the entire sport. Wow. Did you see anything in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs uh, victory over the favored 49ers that made you ask some questions? Well, myself, I predicted at the beginning of the year that the Chiefs would make the Super Bowl. And my assumption was is because Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs quarterback, has become like the new, who I called the chosen one of the NFL. True. And as the old, you know, the NFL makes its ratings and it makes its money through basically its quarterbacks. That's their star players. That's what they promote. That's what they hype. And as, you know, we've gotten to this point now, Tom Brady's getting pretty darn old. Drew Brees is getting pretty darn old. Ben Roethlisberger is pretty darn old. Eli Manning retired. Peyton Manning retired. Aaron Rodgers is getting old. They knew they need some fresh blood. And Patrick Mahomes is exactly that. He is a star in the making. And I think in many ways, you know, the NFL didn't have to script the entire season like professional wrestling to get the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. But if they aided the Chiefs here and there, and you can look like at offensive holding calls where the Chiefs had no, I don't think they had in a single offensive holding call against them throughout the entire playoffs. Well, then, you know, the NFL maybe said, let's give them a little more room to work with so Patrick Mahomes can work his magic, do what he does, and hopefully succeed, and then we can all piggyback and benefit off of that. So, I mean, I didn't see anything glaring necessarily in the Super Bowl that makes you say, yeah, the fix was definitely in. But at the same time, the whole game to me felt kind of like what they call the presentation of the National Football League. It seemed kind of in a way scripted it seemed like professional wrestling where the hero was down you know they were losing 20 to 10 and then lo and behold he stages this great comeback and they wind up winning and everybody who's not a 49er fan goes home happy yeah that's true you know i saw another emotional byline to the game everyone loves the kansas city chiefs coach and he is he seems like a really good guy and he was the emotional favorite and i saw that as a possible motivation to promote his first championship since he was the coach that had the most wins to have never won a super bowl and even the chiefs themselves i mean lamar hunt the guy who founded the chiefs in the old afl and helped found the afl which turned into the afc in the nfl he coined the term super bowl I mean, so in this, the 100th year, you know, of the NFL, and it's been 50 years since the Chiefs won, you know, a championship, the, I think it was Super Bowl Four they won, you know, that was another storyline that the league went with and that the sports media picked up on as well. So, I mean, I think if you want to look at it from a story perspective, which is, like I say, I believe the NFL is really entertainment the same as professional wrestling, and legally they're almost the same type of thing, and, you know, in terms of storylines, those were your best storylines. Patrick Mahomes is, you know, the up-and-coming star. Andy Reid is a long-suffering coach. He's never won the big one. Lamar Hunt and the Chiefs, who, you know, founded the AFL and have been, you know, a big stalwart within the league for the past, you know, 60 years now. Versus, you know, what did the 49ers bring to the table? Not as much story-wise. So, really, the best story happened to be the one that won. And I don't yeah. find that to be coincidental when you're talking about a multi-billion dollar company like the NFL. That is really interesting. I'll tell you, there was a call there, and, and let me set the parameters and I'll let you comment on it. Right before the half, I believe it was the tight end for the 49ers, catches a 40-yard pass that would have set them up for a go-ahead score, minimum a field goal, possibly even a touchdown, and they called offensive pass interference. 
Now, I played receiver, I played DB, and I looked at that and I said, that wouldn't even be called at the high school level. The contact was incidental. And yet, the NFL on their broadcast here on Fox, they've got the ex-referee who comes on as the expert and the refs are never wrong. And he's always on there to validate the comment. If there was a fixed call in that game, I thought that was it. What did you think? I thought it was, it's one of those calls and it's, I think the reason the NFL rules are written the way they are is because it leaves a lot of gray area. Because I think if you want to say to the letter of the law with the NFL rule, that probably was offensive pass interference because he did extend his arm. He did kind of push off and cause that, you know, defender to kind of take a step back before he made the catch. But at the same time, if you go back just three weeks earlier, when the Saints played the Vikings in the wild card game, the game ended in overtime because the Vikings tight end clearly two-handed pushed off on the Saints defender and caught a touchdown pass, which should have been offensive pass interference, but that wasn't called. So here you have this huge immediate, you know, consistency problem within the NFL and its officiating crew. How in the one case do you rule it pass interference and the other case you do not when it's essentially the exact same play? And in fact, the more egregious case was the one that was ruled not to be pass interference and the one, like you say, this one in the Super Bowl was ruled pass interference. And yet, like you say, also, here you have the expert up in the booth assuring all the fans, hey, everything's on the up and up. That was a very good call. You know, you shouldn't be upset about it. Well, you know, let's have, again, some consistency and some integrity here within the sport and uh, keep everything on level. Um, Let me ask the big question now, because, you know, Pete Rose is banned from baseball for life and will never see the Hall of Fame despite having a Hall of Fame career. Uh, Vegas, the betting line and the NFL. Do you find any crossover? Well, it's interesting because I don't think if if games are being fixed in the United States and I believe games are being fixed for gambling purposes, and I should make a distinction because I investigate the idea of game fixing from two angles. One is from this idea that the leagues manipulate their own games to make it more interesting, to get you know viewership, to get ratings, to get ad revenue, and that sort of thing. But there's also the angle, like you kind of bring up, of games being fixed for gambling purposes and having organized crime or gamblers or whatever get people to throw games, and I believe that occurs as well, and no one's looking for that as it stands right now. But I think the problem isn't necessarily Las Vegas, and I think Las Vegas gets blamed because Las Vegas is kind of really on the up and up. I mean, they do a lot of monitoring of what what goes on in terms of betting and strange bets and things that are incongruent with what normally happens there. But people forget that there is a monstrous, probably 100 times more money is bet outside of Las Vegas than in Las Vegas on sporting events. So the vast black market that still exists, even though sports gambling is being legalized in places like New Jersey and elsewhere, there's still a large black market that's controlled by organized crime where if anybody's going to bet significant money and potentially be fixing a game, it's going to be in those areas where no one's monitoring anything and no one can monitor what's going on. So I think, you know, just because Vegas says, hey, everything's on the up and up, and even New Jersey now says, well, everything's on the up and up, they're a fraction of the amount of money that's really flowing in and around sports these days in terms of gambling. 
Yeah, you know, here's the problem I have with this whole deal. I know from talking to you before, it's not illegal for professional sports leagues to allow for game fixing, but they do so with the bottom line being the bottom line. Uh, we create human interest stories, increases viewership, you attract more sponsors and advertisers, and therefore you make more money. So you're doing it for the reason of making money at the bottom line. Yet if a player bets on sports, with no proof that he throws his performance, you know, to influence the betting line, um, they're banned for life. I mean, where's the consistency here? Well, I think, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, like with Pete Rose, for example, someone we know <laughs> definitely the sport in which he was involved, you know, he didn't really, he didn't go to jail for betting on baseball. <laughs> you know, that's not what he got thrown in jail for. Yeah. And that's the thing. If, you know, if Patrick Mahomes, for example, yesterday wanted to go out and bet on himself in the Super Bowl, you know, legally he can do so. And actually, if Patrick Mahomes wanted to go out and bet on the Super Bowl and then throw himself, you know, basically tank the game, he could actually do that legally. Because the law that exists, the Sports Bribery Act, which was passed in 1964, is specifically, it's only like three sentences long, this law basically says you cannot bribe a player, a coach, or a referee to alter the outcome of a game. But if you yourself bet on yourself or against yourself and then alter the outcome of a game, well, no one's being bribed. There's no federal law being broken. You could do that. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the scary, frightening aspect of it all. Because I read numerous FBI files dating from the 60s and 70s where the FBI knew guys like Will Chamberlain, guys like Bill Russell, were betting on games in which they played. And the FBI said, well, they're not breaking a law. It's not our problem. It's the NBA's problem. If they want to investigate it, fine. But we're done here because we don't see a law being broken, so they closed the file. But it was a, they knew it was going on. They knew these guys were betting on games in which they played. They just didn't care because the law wasn't being broken. <laughs> I still don't see the distinction between an owner of the uh, of the teams saying this is okay and uh, or their their designee you know the commissioner and players doing it i i just don't see the equity here uh, the law well, is not i think it's i think it's because it's you know a rule you know that's baseball's number one rule don't bet on baseball right so i think when pete rose broke that rule and they thought pete rose they investigated people don't people People investigated Pete Rose in the early 1970s for betting on baseball. They assumed he was doing it when he was a player as well. They just didn't catch him until he was a manager. I mean, my opinion is he should be out of the Hall of Fame. He should be a warning to other athletes that say, hey, don't mess with this. And like you say, I mean, there is some sort of um, irony to the fact that, you know, these owners can manipulate games, and I believe they do manipulate games, and they do all these other things, and they're allowed to get away with it, yet the player in this case Pete Rose gets punished for it but you know we would hope even though it doesn't really happen but we would hope you know someone is monitoring this someone is looking out for these sort of things and anyone who breaks these kind of bigger rules like betting and altering the outcome of the game gets caught and gets outed for doing so the problem is the sports media is so complicit and so in bed and literally funds the NFL Major League Baseball the NBA and all the rest that they're not going to do their due diligence because they're invested in them. You know, right. ESPN gives the NFL, you know, nearly $2 billion a year. Are they really going investi to investigate the NFL for wrongdoing? No, because it's going to shoot themselves in the foot, and that's the problem. That's what causes the integrity gap is no one's being the watchdog for fans.
You know, I don't know if you have any opinion or knowledge of this, but let me ask the question. If not, we can move on from this. But when LeBron won his championship in Cleveland, no, we're going to win it for Cleveland. And they hadn't won a championship in the city in 50 years since the Browns and Jim Brown. And the Golden State Warriors, and I got to say this as a disclaimer, I did not have a dog in this fight. Okay. Um, I don't care for Steve Kerr. You know, there's a lot of reasons behind that, but I don't care a lot for the Golden State Warriors. I, I didn't like LeBron. Uh, I mean, his stand with communist China is one of the reasons I can't stand the man. But when we look at that series, the championship series, the Golden State Warriors had the superior team. They were up three games to one. And I'm watching the series. It's kind of like, I don't care who wins, but I'm watching and saying, man, after game four, the Golden State Warriors could not get a call, and LeBron got every call. I don't know if you yeah. recall that series at all or not, but I said right then, man, if there's ever been a fix in pro basketball, there it is right there. Yeah, I actually wrote a chapter about that whole series in my book, The Fix is Still In. <laughs> what did you say about it? Well, I mean, in that sense, I, I agree with you. Is I thought it was basically an NBA production that was put on to give Cleveland, because you yeah, remember, I mean, there was a lot of things surrounding it besides just LeBron James. They had that whole, I think it was an ESPN documentary called Believe Land that aired like literally right before those finals started. I mean, it was like this whole mythology was built around it, and you had things happen that were kind of incongruent. Like, you know, I think it was Draymond Green got suspended yeah. for a couple of technical fouls and was kicked out and missed a game, and that cost him. Steph Curry fouled out of the game, which was unbelievable because they never followed their stars ever in the NBA, but yet he fouled out and got kicked out of like game five or six. I can't remember which it was. But yeah, I think it was all just set up to have LeBron win his championship, bring it to Cleveland, and everybody, again, went home happy except for the Golden State fans. But I mean, that's the thing. If the NBA wanted to do that, if they wanted to put those things in motion and create that you know, outcome, they can do that. And that's, the, I think, the scary part for fans and what fans need to realize is these leagues can do that. And I think, like we were talking about, we've actually seen it. You can point your finger in it and say, I saw them manipulate that game to get the result that they wanted. And yet fans then just kind of go, well, what's next? What happens next year? And they just let it go. Yeah, this is why, you know, I've since I became familiar with your work and I started to look at it myself critically and I looked at uh, what was the official's name who got busted for uh, fixing games in his way? Huh? Well, he didn't you remember his name was Tim Donahue. Tim Donahue, that's right. It arrested or convicted of fixing games. And the NBA made sure that didn't happen. That's the scary part. I mean, he was he got arrested for gambling offenses, but not for fixing games, hmm. because the NBA didn't want to have that proved, and the FBI didn't want to have to bother with proving it, because they already had him on these other charges. So they just let that whole thing drop. I mean, everybody believes and is pretty positive that he was influencing the outcome of games, but he was also one of the top-ranked uh, NBA referees at the time of his arrest. So the NBA was totally clueless at what he was doing. But yeah, after he got arrested, like you say, then he started saying, hey, look, the NBA dictates to us how to officiate these games, and without basically saying it outright that we want Team A to win, they will tell us to focus on certain players, certain plays, and make sure we focus on those fouls and let other things slide by the way, but we know what they want when they tell us to do these things. Yeah, that's uh, 
boy, I've seen so many examples. I'll give you another one. Uh, being a former Phoenix Suns fan, that's a long story in itself for another time. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember when they played the San Antonio Spurs, and it was the infamous Bruce Bowen body check Steve Kerr into the scorer's table when the game's decided, and two of the Suns players come off to defend, um, to defend Nash. Okay, so what does the NBA do? Well, they fixed the series by suspending these two good players for the for the Suns, and they never recovered. And the Spurs go on to win the championship. But in the first half, there was an altercation, and Tim Duncan ran all the way to the free throw line in the middle of the floor, and nothing happened to him. And I said, when that happened right there, I said, the NBA is rigged. Uh, do you recall that uh, incident? David Stern made that real controversial decision on who to suspend and who not to suspend? Vaguely. I vaguely remember that. When I remember one with the uh, 70s when they played the Milwaukee Bucks, and I live outside of Milwaukee, where I think it was in 2001, the NBA kind of did the same thing and suspended one of the Bucks players for Game 7 against the 76ers, which allowed the 76ers to win in advance to play in the finals against the uh, Lakers, because I think that's what the matchup the NBA wanted was the Lakers and 76ers, not the Lakers and the Bucks. So, I mean, it's and it's one of those things where you kind of help prove my point. It's the NBA's league. The owners own it. They can do what they want. So when they can come out and say, we're not going to suspend Tim Duncan because he's the star and he's who we want to promote, but we're going to suspend these other two Suns players. And, well, if that affects the outcome of the next game, yeah, so be it because we wanted the Spurs anyway. They can do that. And, you know, fans can cry and they can moan and they can go on Twitter and they can go on Facebook and they can rant all they want, but it doesn't affect them. It doesn't affect the NBA. It's just the steamroller. It just rolls right over the fans. Correct. That's what it wants. Well, until the fans feel like I do. I have to tell you, my separation moment, and, and you got to remember, I scouted NBA games for two years. And, and so this was my separation point was that incident with the Suns and the Spurs and David Stern's just absolutely ridiculous decision, corrupt decision. And I just said, I can't support a league that's as corrupt, that it's so obvious how biased they're being. And and, and yeah, I had a dog in the fight and I fully admit to that. But if I didn't, and it's too, it's like it was reinforced with Golden State and Cleveland. And I'm sitting there watching this and I said, this is why I'm a dispassionate fan these days. This is exactly why this this series is rigged. And, and if more fans would react like me, I'll watch maybe five minutes here, 10 minutes here of an NBA game. And I'm a basketball person, but I don't trust the league. I don't care about the league. I don't care who wins in the league. And and, and if they more people felt like I did, I haven't been to an NBA game probably in five years. If if, well, I think, if fans acted like me, Brian, then they'd well, have I to take a look. That, yeah, I think you're like in the minority though. Yeah, I'm afraid I mean, so. But I think you're right. I think if fans want to make the leagues wake up and change and show some actual integrity the only way to do that is like you did and turn it off and that's hard to do because for a lot of people that's their outlet that's the way they get entertainment you know some people watch the kardashians some people watch survivor some people watch you know marvel movies or whatever read a book whatever they have an outlet for entertainment and sports for many people millions of people that is their outlet so to turn that off is like turning off a part of yourself. But you need to have that moment like you did that causes you to say, all right, you know, enough's enough. And I think baseball had that. I think with the steroid thing after McGuire and Sosa went on that home run chase and then Bonds was such a jerk 
about breaking, you know, Hank Aaron's records for home runs, I think a lot of baseball fans were turned off. I think a lot of baseball fans said, this is ridiculous. We know this guy's cheating. We know this guy's on roids. And yet baseball's not doing anything. In fact, they're celebrating the fact that this guy's breaking these home run records. I think for a lot of baseball fans, it turned them off for a while. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't come back. But I think it was a moment where baseball said, ooh, maybe maybe we do need to do something here. <laughs> Let's make it not so obvious because after that, you know, no one's come close to hitting 60 home runs again. That is interesting. You're right. Uh, no one has come close to that. And uh, another thing I look at, too, let's get into a real specific here with um, the NCAA. Let's leave sports, uh, pro sports for a second and go to college sports. Um, I've seen some anomalies, too, that seem to get reinforced year after year because America loves the underdog, and it's the 12-5 matchup. And, and at first, I was intrigued as a fan. I go, oh, that's really cool. And on my, my brochures where I'd pick the winners, losers on my office bracket pool, I'd pick a 5-12 upset every year. And then I started looking at some of these games, and I, and I was thinking, the officiating is horrendous for the favored team. And I noticed that three years in a row, and I just said, well, I wonder who's getting screwed this time in the 12-5 matchup. Uh, have you found anything like that in, in your research about the NCAA March Madness? Uh, not specifically like you point out, but I mean, I do have, I mean, what I did a couple of years ago is I got every file through the Freedom of Information Act that the FBI had on game fixing and sports, basically, and it lasted from the 1960s into the 1980s. And within there, there were numerous reports, not only of NFL, Major League Baseball, and NBA games, but there's more reports about NCAA games, basketball and football being fixed, point shaving and what have you. And there were things where the FBI looked at not just players shaving points and in you know the Final Four tournament, but also referees who were involved in that sort of behavior as well. And so, I mean, I don't think it would be surprising <laughs> that that sort of behavior takes place because, again, you know, in college, the kids aren't getting paid to play. So when a gambler or organized crime member, even just a family member, could approach a kid and say, hey, look, you know, I give you $10,000 to shave a few points. Don't necessarily lose the game. Just don't win by more than, you know, 10 points as opposed to 15 points. And then we can go out and bet on it and make 10 times as much money as you'll ever see playing for, you know, Duke or, you know, whoever, North Carolina. Why wouldn't a kid do that, you know? And why wouldn't the same with the officiating in the NCAA? They don't get paid a ton of money either. They'd be very approachable as well. So I think it's a very easy thing to do. And, in fact, you know, the NCAA has a survey they do every four years where they ask their athletes many questions about gambling and sports, but one of them they ask is, have you been approached to shave points or fix the game? Do you know someone who's done this, and have you yourself done it? And every time they've done the survey, they've gotten positive responses. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. See, to me, the salaries that an NBA or an NFL or Major League Baseball player make, you think that would make them immune to succumbing to betting? except there's a wild card factor there. And I think it could affect the kids in college in that some people are compulsive gamblers and it's an addiction. And I think that's the case with Pete Rose. Oh, I, I think so too. I think if you, I actually looked, if you go to the Gamblers Anonymous web, website and they list, I forgot what it was, like seven or 10 traits that most addicted gamblers or addictive gamblers have. Those are the exact traits you'd want in an athlete. <laughs> you know, it's all about competitiveness, wanting to win, et cetera, et cetera. 
and those are the exact same traits. So it's I find it amazing, like you kind of point out with Pete Rose. It, since Pete Rose, what athlete has been in trouble, active athlete, with gambling? None that we know of, and I find that unbelievable. I mean, afterwards, you know, you've heard of Charles Barkley gambling. You've heard of Jordan. other players. Michael well. Jordan. Jordan yeah. Jordan, I know, was gambling when he was a player. But, but, yeah, I mean, you rarely ever hear about it while they're active. I mean, supposedly it has never affected the NFL since was it Arch Schlichter back, like, in the 1980s. <laughs> but how has it been that we've gone 40 years without an athlete involved in the gambling scandal? And I think it's because the leagues know how to keep that stuff quiet and they actively pursue those things and have their own NFL and Major League Baseball security and investigative divisions to make sure those things don't become public. Wow, that is interesting. How much of what uh, Tim Donahue said uh, about the league was endorsing uh, what we'd call cheating in our term, but not illegal cheating, how much do you think of what he said was true? I think a lot of it. I mean, a lot of people think he was saying what he was saying because he was trying to get out of his sentence and this, that, and the other thing. But I think he he had reached a low point when he did get arrested and get sent to jail, and I think he was trying to clear his conscience. I think he was trying to get out the truth and finally say, hey, you know what, if I'm going down, I'm going to try to take some people down with me. I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to get it out of my system, and then I can move on with my life. So I believe what he's saying because it makes perfect sense. You know, I mean, the NBA doesn't have to dictate to its referees, we want to make sure LeBron James wins the title. They don't have to say it directly. They're not going to put it on letterhead and deliver it to their officials. What they're going to do is they're going to do it subtly and say, look, we want you to be, you know, wary of these type of calls. You know, maybe give LeBron James and Steph Curry a little more room to operate, call a little tighter fouls on the guys, you know, who are guarding them, this, that, and the other thing. And I think they can get their message across you know, implying it without having to outright say it. And I think the referees, because most of them have been around the game long enough to realize this is what the league wants, this is kind of what it needs, and they're going to go out there and do their employer's bidding. One time I was sitting behind the Suns bench, a couple rows up, and uh, a really bad call got made in favor of Kobe Bryant, the late, great Kobe Bryant. And uh, I remember uh, uh, Anthony Hardaway, he was on the bench for the Suns at the time and I heard him say star call oh T and not only did they team the referee teed him in such a pissed off fashion it was unbelievable he goes up to the bench and gets in his face and tries to antagonize him into a second one and I started yelling at the ref I said stop baiting the guy uh, it was incredible how oversensitive the ref was to that insult star call calling up one way for the superstar and another way for everybody else but I think that exists. I mean, I, I think there's even two, you know, biases that certain referees have against or for certain players. You know, just personality clashes that sometimes cause issues as well. But I think you're right. I mean, I think you can see those kind of star calls in a lot of sports. I mean, it's not just basketball. I think you see it in the NFL. Again, going back to Mahomes and the Chiefs who just won the Super Bowl. How does their offensive line go without holding for the entire Super Bowl? I mean, yeah. supposedly holding can be called on every play, right? Isn't that the old, you know, adage? It can be yes. called on every play. Well, what, even if it can be called on every fourth play, how is it that they never got called for it once? Well, Mahomes is the star. We're going to protect the star. The easiest way to protect the star is to let the offensive line get away with murder. Therefore, he can do what he does. I and mean, you know, you see it in 
you can see it in baseball even with the strike zone. I mean, some guys get the calls on the corners and some guys don't. Yeah, that, I, I've seen that a lot too. But back back to Mahomes, what's interesting about that, and I hope I'm not being too technical for the audience who aren't football fans, but in your straight drop back passer, it's easier not to hold because you know the angles. Uh, but when you've got a quarterback that breaks contain so much like Holmes does and makes plays on the run, that's when holding can occur because the offensive lineman's in an unfamiliar position and not to let his guy get hit he may reach out and do something he wouldn't ordinarily do. And so when you say, how does Kansas City go to the playoffs without getting a holding call, Mahomes' style even makes that more unbelievable. Yeah, because you're right, because, you know, the lineman, the quarterback's behind him. So all of a sudden, Mahomes goes to his right, and that, you know, guy he's blocking goes to the right. It's almost natural to try to reach out and grab him. (laughs) You may not even know why you're doing (laughs) it, but it's very easy to do. And yet again, there's no flags for it. So... What's going on? I mean, especially when earlier in this NFL season, there was a ton of flags. People, even Tom Brady tweeted about how, you know, bad he was trying to watch a Thursday night football game and how bad the officiating was because there were so many penalties. You know, Tom Brady's tweeting that there's too many penalties, just let us play. And that was such a problem early in the NFL season. And now in the playoffs, well, there's barely any flags being thrown at all. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. Not a decision being made by somebody. I mean, somebody's doing it. And if the NFL is saying, don't throw the flags, let them play, well, then all of a sudden your rule book doesn't apply. And if your rule book isn't applying, well, then, again, you have to question the integrity of the game you're watching because people are getting away with penalties that should be called. Well, yeah, and here's another way the league uh, manipulates the game, too. And you said it earlier. The NFL markets its league based on its star power from the quarterbacks. And and, and I played high school football. And, and I would sometimes blitz, you know, strong safety blitz, and I'd blitz. And you'd put your head down, and you'd drill the guy. Never got a call. I mean, you'd have to do something flagrant. You'd have to flagrantly spear the quarterback or hit him when he's down to get a flag. Today, these guys are getting flagged for normal contact. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. Well, because they're protecting the quarterback. Exactly. And it really all starts with Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady, I forgot what, it was probably maybe 10 years ago, got a low, and it wasn't that low, but it was right at his knee level, bent his knee the wrong way and knocked him out game one for the rest of the season. And ever since then, now you can't hit the quarterback, you know, below the knees. That's just a rule. It's a Tom Brady rule. You can't do that anymore. Like you say, you can't, you know, try to knock the ball down and accidentally hit the quarterback in the head. Then it's a blow to the head. So they're doing everything they can to protect the quarterbacks because, again, that's their star. That's where they make their money. Exactly. And they're protecting these guys. And, again, it's changing the way the game's played, and it's also changing outcomes of games. I have to tell you, though, the worst call I ever saw, and I want to know if the fix was in on this, uh, to borrow a phrase from the title of your book, but when New Orleans had the infamous pass interference non-call and and replay, you know, wouldn't deal with it. I mean, do you know what I'm talking about, the play I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. That was last year in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. What, what did you think? Was there a motive there for those referees to miss such an obvious call that a 10-year-old could have seen? Well, I, my belief was that the NFL wanted the Rams in the Super Bowl, not the Saints, because the Rams and their owner are building that new, it's like a $5 billion stadium in, in L.A., and they need to build up the fan base to get fans to actually go to this $5 billion stadium in mm-hmm. L.A. I think they wanted the Rams in the Super Bowl because that helps, you know, everybody loves a winner, so everyone supports a winner, so everybody will hopefully show up in this new stadium and fill it up every week. Um, so I think that was kind of their agenda, was to push the Rams and not 
help the Saints. And the thing that got me, though, about that call, because it was horrible, I mean, people just freaked out from the moment it happened, was, you know, if the NFL cares about its integrity and cares about its officiating, how come none of those referees were fined, were suspended, or were fired over screwing up that big on that big of a stage at that moment in time? Yeah, I agree. I mean, nothing happened. I mean, if it happened, I think you or I goofed up on that big of a stage. Our bosses would have some serious issues with what we did. And in the case of the NFL, they did nothing. In fact, the guy who was the head referee in the NFC Championship game was Vinovich, who was just the referee for the Super Bowl. So he got punished by going to the Super Bowl the next year. <laughs> or he, he got rewarded for doing what the league wanted. Exactly. Yeah. That, see, this is what just drives me absolutely bonkers. But back to the NCAA March Madness, how much evidence have you seen for fixing of those games um, to give a desired outcome? Well, I don't think, I, again, I don't think the NCAA is being fixed for, um, like, entertainment purposes. I think it's being fixed for gambling purposes. Mm, okay. I got it. I don't think it's, I mean, I think maybe within certain conferences I, I have seen some shady things that may promote one team over the other because they want certain teams to go onward be it in the you know the football into a bowl game or into the final 64 tournament but I don't think like in the tournament itself that you necessarily have we want you know this Cinderella story to keep going I think those things kind of will naturally happen I think more questionable thing is when you have you know, a team that's a 24-point favorite in the betting line, and they only win by 12, those are the times you might start thinking, well, hmm, <laughs> why didn't they blow them out like they were supposed to? And I think that's when you can think about point shaving and those sorts of things. Because, again, like I said, when the NCAA does its own survey with athletes, athletes have admitted to shaving points. And yet we don't have, you know, a scandal a year occurring for point shaving investigations because no one's looking for it. No one investigates for it. They just let it go by the wayside. And that's the scary part to me is that no one in America cares about game fixing. I mean, it's like it doesn't happen. Like they don't even believe it can happen, partially because, like you said earlier, you know, so many athletes at the pro level get paid millions of dollars. They assume, well, that protects it. Well, look outside the United States. Look at soccer, the world's biggest sport. You know, we know matches in soccer have been fixed all over the place, all over the world, and at the highest level, World Cup soccer matches have been fixed. The biggest sporting event of the world, we know. I mean, it's not a question of if, it's not a conspiracy theory. We know games have been fixed in the World Cup, and if these guys who fix World Cup matches can do that, well, then a regular season NBA game is nothing. An NCAA game is nothing. Even the Super Bowl really pales in comparison to the World Cup in terms of viewership and money involved. So, I, you know, if those uh, games can be our games can be fixed. Oh, well, I hate to ask this question, but have you, <laughs> this is almost embarrassing. Have you ever found any evidence of high school games being fixed? No. Although there was, I think, one or two FBI files. I mean, this is going back to the 60s, where they looked into certain shenanigans at high school. But I don't think you have the betting involved. But at the same time, I mean, I do think there have been, you know, obviously like recruitment violations and that sort of thing. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, I've seen know, it. I've seen it. I've and saw, I mean, I think you're yeah. teaching kids right there about corruption. Yeah, I, I, I definitely saw that. I saw it in junior high. I played on a junior yeah. high team that was so good. We went 60 and 0. We had two future NBA players on it. And, um, <laughs> and, and believe me, we had high school coaches 
from all over the, the city. I grew up in Denver and we had high school coaches from all over the city that were there recruiting. And, uh, and I wasn't one of the two players, obviously, but I even got recruited. I, I had uh, four or five high schools talk to me. Uh, so I've seen it from that aspect and it still goes on today through club ball. But I just wanted, let me tell you one thing I was told. Uh, you know, this will kind of give me a giveaway of my age. I was into forced integrated busing in Denver. So I was sent to a, a central middle school in the heart of the town. And uh, we had just great players in our town and our team. And um, uh, what was really interesting was I was even told when these guys went on to high school and I stayed friends with these guys, and we would talk and they'd say, yeah, the betting on our game is da 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 And there were local community people, they said were betting on games and money was changing hands. Well, and, you know, that wouldn't surprise me because, I mean, let's face it, I mean, you know, nobody watches a horse race just to watch the horses run, right? True, <laughs> I mean, that's true. It's always more, it's always more interesting when there's money involved. And yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if people were betting on high school games. No, not at all. I mean, and then again, if, if somebody's betting on it, then there's probably a possibility of somebody corrupting it for their betting purposes just to win a bet. So again, that wouldn't surprise me either, but I've never really seen direct evidence of it. But again, who's looking for it too? Because it's not like these games are being booked, you know, in Las Vegas, they're being booked by who knows who. Yeah, and, uh, but I see, this really angers me. And I'll tell you why. I grew up where my competition was pure. And and I never saw anything as a college coach, and I was a small college coach. And I never saw anything here that indicated impropriety. I mean, we had some refs that were, favored some teams over another, but it was personality stuff. I don't think it was any corruption. But one of the things that just really bothers me is when I sit down and watch a game, I want to watch the game for the pure effort and the talent. I don't want to worry about who's playing games based on BS motives. And this really infuriates me. If I want to watch cheating, I'll watch C-SPAN and watch Congress people give speeches. We know they're corrupt. I don't want to see that in my sports. And, and uh, you know, this is why we really need to out this so we can get rid of it. I hate it. I absolutely detest this. Well, and I think, you know, the problem is is a lot of fans project themselves onto the players. You know, even if it's a college player, even a pro player, because a lot of you know, fans were athletes at some level at some point in their, you know, life. And so they always maybe dreamed of making it the NBA or the NFL or whatever. And they kind of project themselves into that and say, well, if I was in that guy's shoes, I would always try my hardest and I would always live up to all the different cliches that exist out there about being an athlete and whatever. But people forget they're real people. You know, they have problems. They have injuries that they, you know, didn't disclose. They have maybe a gambling problem. Maybe they have a drinking problem. Maybe they have a drug problem. Maybe they, you know, their mom's sick. Maybe, you know, they're having a problem with their wife. Whatever. There's a lot of things that can influence the way they perform out on the field or on the court or sure. what have you. And then it's very easy for someone who wants to corrupt the game to find those weaknesses and further exploit them or create weaknesses and exploit them as well. And so you get into this idea of games being manipulated and like I say it's scary because if you look again outside the United States and you look at soccer you look at cricket you look at rugby you look at tennis I, I can point to hundreds of games that have been fixed all over the world and done so in the last 10 years when supposedly the money in sports hasn't ever been greater but yet these games are being corrupted all over the place except in the United States and name me a crime that exists all over the world that that doesn't happen in the United States besides game fixing. That's the only one. 
Well, I'm not buying it, but but uh, let me ask you this. Okay, so you got our three major sports in America right now. Um, uh, you've got the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball. From your coverage of this through the years, which of the three leagues is the most corrupt? Well, corrupt in what way? Uh, in other words, the the fix the fixing of games. You know, the fan can't be sure that what they're watching is authentic. The highest percentage of cheating. I think the worst one is probably the NBA. I said the same you have, thing. Well, and you have right off the bat, you have, I mean, Mark Cuban, I think it was two years ago, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, went on the Dan Patrick show and literally told Dan Patrick, without being coached, literally told him, I took my team out to dinner and I told them the best thing for us right now is to lose because his team was tanking games to get a better draft pick to hopefully improve the team through better draft choices. <laughs> but he literally said, I took my team out and told them to wow. lose. How many games just literally got fixed by the owner of the Dallas Mavericks? I, 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 who knows? 10, 20, 30? I don't know. But he literally said that, and he's not the only one who did it. The Philadelphia 76ers intentionally tanked for like three seasons to build up draft picks to get better. Well, the Phoenix Suns I mean, have been so, tanking for a decade. Yeah, but I mean, so here you have the owner literally telling the players, don't win. That's not a legit physical contest anymore is it no it's not and and uh I mean, the league got to come I mean, down hard on the that. nba saying that's not even the nba saying we want to fix a game for a certain outcome like in a playoffs this is just regular season games that are being literally thrown and no one cares in fact people you know pundits espn pundits cheer it on and say that's great that they're tanking because they need the draft picks well then you know what legitimate competitions just totally thrown out the window in the nba i agree to me the biggest uh fix is the NBA lottery. And that's, yeah, part of it too. You know, I, I read a statistical analysis and I couldn't cite it to you now, but the analysis basically showed how much of the times the odds were bucked in the NBA lottery over a long period of time. So the sample size was large enough and the uh, violation of the statistical laws of probability were egregious. And I said, yeah, this is kind of validates what I knew on an anecdotal level. Um, you've got uh, a book out there that's a follow-up on, on your first book, The Fix is In, uh, The Fix is Still In. Tell people how they can get a hold of this book. It sounds fascinating. Well, you can get it either through my own website, which is thefixesin.net, or else uh, the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever good books are sold, hopefully your local bookstore. Yeah, I have to tell you, I hate talking about this because I was a kid that grew up and I thought sports were honest and fair. I remember my freshman, uh, my, my freshman year in college, my coach said, this is one of the few places that you can ever expect integrity in life. Politics sucks, he said, but sports is fair. And I think probably for most competitions with kids it is, but it's so disturbing to hear this stuff. It really is. But, but I'm glad that there are people like you on the front lines to point this out it's just you don't have enough people believing what you're saying except for people like me that can see through the nonsense well and like i say you know it's, it's the sad thing is it's kind of everywhere because you even talk about you know they the little league world series was technically fixed i mean that one team a couple years ago had a 14 year old pitching in a 12 year old league yeah exactly you know, the chicago team that won the little league world series was illegally formed with players outside their proper area i mean the little league world series was basically fixed I mean, it affects everything. I mean, I, I played in a recreational softball league, and we'd have guys use illegal bats that would hit the ball, you know, 30 feet further than it should go. And you could tell. You could hear the difference. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I know. I, I hear it. I, I see it. People, 
compete and there's integrity issues all over sports. I mean, yeah. for people to think it's pure is just absurd. The human really condition is flawed. And, and my friend, we are flat out of time. We're up against the end. But uh, to everybody, thank you for tuning in today. This has been disturbing, but necessary and interesting. And we'll have a link to Brian's book on our website when we post this in the archive. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Really informative stuff. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate being on. Thanks.